This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. I said good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? You're doing good? I'm well aware that I've got to work hard to keep you all awake tonight. Some of you were partying late. Did I say this week? This morning? Today? I'm well aware that some of you were partying late into the night, um, and uh, so with the lights down, that you might well be uh, falling asleep. So if you do fall asleep, I will be coming up with James's phrase, and I'll be asking, go on! Go on! And I'll be making sure that you are all awake during the service uh, this morning. How many of you love change? How many of you would like a change of government on June 8th? Ooh, not many. Change is a funny old thing, isn't it? It's a strange, peculiar thing is change. We've got a love-hate relationship with change at large. And in the uh, sermon series that we are uh, looking at together on this area of thrive, of what does a thriving Christian, God-honoring, Jesus-following life look like? We are taking a bit of a transition today. So I've got some challenging news for you today. Because in the first three messages that we've looked at, we've been looking at kind of very positive things. We've been looking at the truth of God's Word and how we have to be grounded in truth. We've talked about uh, being rooted and how our lives need to be good soil. And then the last time we were together, we talked about being planted in Christ Jesus. How when we are grafted into Him, we will thrive. But a lot of where we're going from here on in is going to be quite challenging. And I really find it interesting here at the church. We believe in team ministry here as a leadership in the way that the ministry is conducted. And I don't know about you, are you amazed sometimes at how how God works? Because I don't know if some of you are aware as a congregation, there's absolutely no collaboration between preacher from Sunday to Sunday saying, what are you preaching on or whatever. We allow the Holy Spirit to direct in terms of the way people bring ministry. And I always find it interesting how all of the messages and the different series, they just all seem to dovetail together. Is it just me that's amazed at how that happens? And I shouldn't be amazed, really, because we serve a God of miracles, don't we? And how we understand that He is at work in our lives to bring transformative change. So the last couple of messages we've had have been about going back to basics, about some key stuff. You know, real hard-hitting messages about friendship from Dan and love and so many different things. And that message that was just smashed out of the park by, if I'm preaching like that at 70, look out. Look out, sister. Great message from you last Sunday. But in order for us to thrive, we have to change. We have to change. Change is not something that we're comfortable with that much. We want it a lot of the time but we're uncomfortable with it. And some of the things I like about change and some of my favorite jokes, I like jokes about the Englishman, the Irishman, and the Scotsman, and the Welshman. I love those kind of jokes, do you? I love knock-knock jokes. I love why did the chicken cross the road jokes. But one of the jokes that I like, and a lot of this is about change, is light bulb jokes. Do you like light bulb jokes? How many software developers? Where's Hugh? Is he in the house this morning? How many software developers does it take to change a light bulb, Hugh? None. That's clearly a hardware issue, 
That was funny how the blinds just opened all at the same time. Let me try that again. None. Okay. None. That's clearly a hardware issue. You need to speak to technical support right now. How many Germans does it take to change a light bulb? One. They're very efficient, and this is not very funny. How many French farmers does it take to change a light bulb? It takes three. Their election is taking place today, isn't it? So this for the French today. Any French in? Bonjour. Oui, oui. Uh -huh. How many French farmers does it take to change a light bulb? Three. Farmer one goes away to get the light bulb. Farmer two notices that it has been imported from Great Britain. Farmer three calls a strike in protest and brings the whole nations to a standstill. <laughs> One for Naomi. How many Irishmen? Was that okay? That was all. <laughs> How many Irishmen does it take to change a light bulb? Five. One to hold the light bulb and four to lift up the stepladder and turn it round. <laughs> How many management consultants does it take to change a light bulb? Clearly, the light bulb is not working, but the last thing we want to do is create further problems through possibly exacerbating the problem we already have. It's probably best if we do a full feasibility study to determine the impact of such a change to the organization. <laughs> How many folk musicians does it take? One for Paul Rankin and uh, Liana. How many folk musicians does it take to change a light bulb? Liana, how many? One to change the light bulb and four to write songs about how much better the old light bulb was. <laughs> how many surrealists does it take to change a light bulb? A fish. No? I laughed at that, I laughed at that. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? None. The light bulb will change when it's ready to change. <laughs> I like that one. And my favorite to end, how many lawyers does it take to change a light bulb? Whereas the party of the first part, also known as the lawyer, and the party of the second part, also known as the light bulb, do hereby and forthwith agree to a transaction wherein the party of the second part shall remove from the current position as a result of a failure perform the set out agreed duties, whereupon, and it just went on and on and on and on, when I emailed the lawyer to find out, and all I know is they attached an invoice for 600 quid, so I guess. But change is a very strange and peculiar thing, isn't it? We want it to happen, but so often we don't want the upheaval that comes with it. To Mark and Alison, we want that new kitchen, don't we? Lovely to have that new kitchen. You got your eyes on it, you selected it, it looks wonderful. But the upheaval of going through the mess and the builders and the dust and where are they? They said they were going to be at 8.30 on Monday and they're not here. We want the new kitchen, but the change to get there, isn't it an upheaval sometimes? Or women and men and men, I'm including everyone, we're an inclusive church here. I'd love to lose that stone of weight, but quitting chocolate doing more exercise you must be joking we want the change but so often we don't want to pay the price that comes or the cost that we have to pay for the change some of you might be saying 
my boss is an idiot. And you'd love to change your job. But putting together your CV again, applying for all those jobs, attending interviews in order to... Sometimes just the cost of change for us to get to a new place that we would want to be is so, so expensive. Heraclitus of Ephesus in 535 BC, he was a Greek philosopher. And he was known for his doctrine of change being central to everything in the universe. And he was the one that established the term logos. Logos, which in Western philosophy is a word meaning both the source and fundamental order of the cosmos. And it's this word that when John writes in John 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. I think I got that right. He uses the word logos. And John is trying to communicate to Greek philosophers that Jesus is the person that everything is contained in him. He is the Logos. And as part of trying to communicate this, Heraclitus, his most famous statement about change, he said that in our universe, change is the only constant. Change is the only constant. The seasons change, don't you? How many of you have been up to Deneva Castle and seen the bluebells that have come out? It's lovely, isn't it? When you look, you see the snowdrops come and go, the daffodils come and go, the bluebells, and are you, all, are you all out in the country enough to see stuff like that? How the seasons and everything change. And it's a relentless cycle of change all the time. And then the trees uh, begin to leaf, and then autumn comes, and they go, and it's relentless change all the time around us. Our universe is changing, the season, the planets... Everything is changing. You're changing, and I'm changing. I am changing right now in front of you. Have you noticed me get older? Have you noticed me get older? Because if we sped this up, you could see me get older right before your very eyes. Second by second, moment by moment, I'm getting smaller and more wrinkly, and I am getting older by the second. We are all changing. And some of you are growing up and you want to be 17 and 18 as quick as you can. And no sooner as you're 17 and 18, you'll be looking back at your life and saying, I wish I was 17 and 18 again to go back to where you were. In fact, take that to a bunch of liars. Got to be honest. They sang, everything changes but you. Well, you do change. Do change. Take that. What you want about? You're going to write a folk song about light bulbs or something. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Can you? Let's turn to God's word. The sermon title this morning in our series Thrive is called Flourish. Flourish. And I want you to imagine, before we turn to Scripture this morning, and before we look at the truth of God's word, I want you to imagine, can you close your eyes with me? And I want you to imagine a little seedling popping out of the ground, the little green shoot. Can you see it right now? You can see it? How many of you can see it? Right, you're the ones with a good imagination. Can you help the people next to you that can't see it yet? And say, it's a green shoot. I can see it now. Has yours got two little leaves on it already? Four little leaves. Okay. And it's popping up. Can you see it? And it's growing, growing, growing. And you can see it like in a, a, you know, like a sped up video. You can see it growing. Can you just capture that picture and now attach it to your soul and your Christian life? The day you came to Christ... 
and a little green shoot popped out of the good fertile soil of your soul and you began to grow and grow and grow you still got the picture okay wind forward to your Christian life right now what does your plant look like today if you were to take a picture of it is it a big strong oak or is it wilting a little bit in the Sun what's the health of your plant are you flourishing or are you surviving let's turn to God's Word open your eyes second Corinthians chapter 5 and we're gonna read from verse 11 onwards it's on screen if you haven't got your Bible but I trust that we're a church that brings our Bible to church be it leather or be it Apple just turn to God's Word and follow together since then says verse 11 <coughs> Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. Isn't that what we do? We try to persuade others that there's a God that loves them too. <laughs> what we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, says Paul, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here can I read that again that's a great scripture isn't it that's a great scripture if or well, therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come can you see the little green shoots the old is gone the new is here all this is from God who reconciled us to him through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors what are we ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you in Christ's on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God let's pray shall we father God we thank you for your presence here today Lord, we thank you the way that you have met with us in such a tangible way through worship this morning. Lord, as we have praised and worshipped and honoured you and as we've broken bread together, Lord, we thank you for your 
Holy Spirit that's already in this place working on our hearts, encouraging us, convicting us, transforming us, changing us. Lord, as we turn to your word right now, it's a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. We pray that you would help take scales off our eyes and help us to change, to move from glory to glory and in some small way become more Christ-like today in leaving this place. We ask for the praise and glory of your Son, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Plants and living creatures, but particularly plants, that's the narrative that I want to use to communicate to you today as we were imagining that little plant growing out of nice brown fertile soil. Plants, in order for them to flourish, need particular ingredients to grow. The dictionary defines the word flourish as this, to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way. Vigorous, good word, isn't it? To grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly congenial environment. And what I want to do today is ask some questions about our spiritual lives and ask what is the particular congenial environment, the healthy environment that's required for our souls to grow. You see, there's some key elements that's required by a plant. Some of you that are biologists here today, can you begin shouting out to me, those of you that understand photosynthesis and all, those of you that are studying biology and, uh, or studied it, come on, name me some things that plants need to grow. Carbon dioxide or air, yeah, okay. Sun, sun which is performing two things on a plant, it's bringing... Heat and light. That's what the sun does. Anything else? Soil. soil nutrients in the soil. Anything else? Water. Who said water? Fantastic. That's the, that is a fundamental building block of life, isn't it? That's what scientists all over the universe are looking for water somewhere. Because if we know there's water in all uh, possibility or probability, whichever way you want to look at things, we think there will be life there. So without air and soil, without water and nutrients, without light and temperature, a plant cannot grow. How many of you have seen the, the superb Matt Damon film called Martian? How many of you have seen it? Hands up, hands up, we've seen it. Oh, cool, a load of us haven't seen this. It's great. He goes off to Mars and he finds himself being left behind on Mars as the rest of the crew go. And he's left having to live on Mars. And what does he decide to do? He becomes a farmer. He's got one spud and he splits it down and he's got some soil and some sand and he starts to create a congenial environment for life to happen on Mars. And it's a great film. Get it out if you've not seen it. You've heard it here. Matt Damon, Martian. Great, great movie. So what are the ingredients or what are the nutrients what are the things that are required to create a congenial environment for your soul and my soul to thrive and to flourish what do we think we need because if we are new creatures in Christ the old is gone and the new has come as we've read from uh, the writing of Paul to the Corinthians if that is to happen what does the new new look like 
We have to change. So if this is back to basics, church, and you're going to think, why is pastor preaching on this again? Why are we bringing this again? Because sometimes, you know, Samuel Johnson said, sometimes we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. Sometimes we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. You see, if there are a lack of nutrients for growth, we will not grow. In fact, it's a strange parallel, is this? And I'll talk to you a bit more about this in the weeks that are to come. 1 Peter 2 verse 5. I'm still trying to fathom the thought around this theologically and others. But in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, Peter says this. He says, you also like living stones. I've seen living people stoned. I've seen that. But living stones, that's something that's even weirder again. I begin to think you're stoned if you want to talk to me about living stones. But you also, says Peter, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And he's talking about us as living stones, that life has been breathed into us and that we are built up, that we grow because of the nutrients for growth that are happening to our souls. So there are two things that will stop growth in our lives. And the same thing applies to plants. If a plant is not growing, what do we need to give it? Sometimes water, sometimes more sunlight, sometimes more nutrients. We need to maybe give it some fertilizer. There's several things that need to be given to a plant to make it grow, isn't it? My wife has black fingers. If you give a plant to Ruth, good luck with that one. <laughs> because I don't know what she does to it. She either parches them or drowns them. I'll wake up in the morning sometimes. There's a plant swimming in water. Well, it hadn't fed it for three weeks. So I'd better catch up. <laughs> so lack of nutrients can be a case where we don't grow. We'll talk about that shortly. But also disease. You know, I wondered sometimes with my parents where I was late developing in most areas. As a child, I, pe people used to ask about Philip, you know, what's he going to be when he leaves school? And people used to, someone's laughing over there, go on. People used to ask my mother, you know, what's he going to be when he leaves school? You know, and she said, about 46 if he carries on. <laughs> I tell you what, I wasn't falling behind when I was in school. I was being lapped. I really was. Terrible. So when it comes to my stature, I was very small, smaller than this in school, but I'm sure my parents must have asked a question, is he all right? <laughs> is he actually going to grow more than that? You know, you could see me in every school photograph, you know. There's Richard Williams, there's Adrian Thomas, there's everybody else, and there's Philip Morgan. <laughs> Little tits over there. But I tell you, like I was saying to Jez Nolan, a friend of mine, when I was away on business this week, I tell you what, any tall people here? Fantastic, hands up, tall people. Tall people, how many times have you bumped your head? <laughs> how many times have I bumped my head? <laughs> there's benefits to being short. But I'm sure at some time, my parents are asking, is he all right? Why do you think they were asking, is he all right? 
Yes? Because he was a midget. Because if a child is not growing, and is not growing... <laughs> Pull yourself together, Dan. <laughs> if a child is not growing, or a baby is not growing, and how many of you got babies that you take them to the doctor, they measure the lengths of everything, don't they? You know, that, that head to toe and everything, making sure that everything's in its place. And if you are outside the average, they ask questions. Because the other barrier to grow is disease. You might have a condition. You might have something wrong with you, young Philip Morgan, that is preventing you from growing. Yes, what's wrong with me is the lack of very good genetics that can grow me taller than the five foot and a bit that I am. So we can either, as Christians in the same way as believers, we can be not growing because of a lack of nutrients or because of disease disease things that are in our lives that we need to cut out so what is the congenial environment in order for our spiritual lives to grow what do you think my first answer is going to be the word, the word of god give that woman a cream egg Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What are you hiding in your heart? Because lots of us can hide stuff in our heart, can't we? Skeletons in the closet. Things that we want to hide. We can hide good things in our heart, or we can hide bad things in our heart. Are we going to harbor disease? And are we going to harbor things in our hearts that are unwholesome? Or are we going to live up to the teaching of Scripture that tells us, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sing against you. So I said to you, there's some challenging punches in his back to basic message this morning can I ask you a question because this is linked to the growth of your spiritual life and the picture of the plant that I asked you to visualize at the beginning of this message can I ask you a question and a serious question I don't want you to just pass over this quickly but can I ask you how often do you read your Bible How often do you read your Bible? Do you read your Bible systematically? Or is it on the go? You wait for a text message for a word for today. And I'm not going to go over some of what Ian talked about the Sunday before, you know, about the way we approach reading Scripture. But I tell you, if you want to get great, great nutrients into your Christian life so you can become a big, strong oak, that no matter what storm is going to come your way, you will not be knocked down whatsoever. No matter what bird decides to come and shadow on your uh, branches, that you will not break under the strain. If you want to become a strong oak, hide God's Word in your heart. How often do you study God's Word? 
Can I ask you, we as a church here take a verse every year that we ask you to hide in your hearts. The verse for this year was, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Did you commit to learning that? Is that hidden in your heart? And at a moment where you're in an impossible situation, that scripture that can come back to you, has come back to me twice this year already. In a situation that's impossible, I felt God come in and saying, you're looking with human eyes. With man, this looks impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Because I tell you what, church, you can approach a cancer scare with human eyes. And you could say it looks impossible. But I know the God of the impossible. And with God, all things are possible. Didn't Jesus teach us if you have enough faith, you could say to the black mountain, shift. And it will. If you have faith as much as a mustard seed. But we will not build our faith unless we hide, hide God's word in our hearts do you learn god's word do you commit it to memory do you understand the word of god so you can explain it and give an account for it you know you can talk to andrea and ian and, and uh, andrea and irwen uh, 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 and many of the scholarly preachers that we've got here it's like sometimes talking to an encyclopedia have you noticed have you noticed? Or is it just me that notices it? They'll come up with this scripture and they say, yes, pastor, or yes, this, you're talking about that. And they'll give you a reference over there of something left field that you've not thought about. And I'm thinking, really? And I go and look it up. Do you know how they can do it? Because behind their lives, there is a diligent act, a deliberate discipline every day of plant watering that takes place behind the scenes. Not like Ruth does, going for weeks, without watering the plant. Not I'm saying Ruth doesn't do a devotional. You get what I'm saying? I'm back to talking about the illustration with Ruth's black fingers, okay? So we can be like that. We can have a Ruth approach to plant care. That's what I'm trying to say. Have you got it now? Have you got it? Have you caught me up? So that we are being fed daily the nu nutrients that are required for us to grow. I tell you what, I'm talking about plants, I think I need a shovel and I to dig myself a big hole this morning. <laughs> the second component, so before I go and before we move on and before some of you that are maybe uncomfortable in your chairs this morning, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to ask the question, how often, how often do you read your Bible? If you want to grow, got to get into God's word. God's word's got to get into you. Not if it sustain your soul, build you to be big, strong, so you can live long and prosper. <laughs> Second thing, we need prayer. Is it like that? How is it? I don't know. That was a butterfly thought that just came to my head. Sorry, Andrea. Second thing, we need to need to pray. Can I ask you a second question? How often do you talk to God? How often 
meaningful conversation. There's nothing like meaningful conversation, is there? That's some of the most meaningful conversations that have ever happened in our house around the dining table. How many of you do that? If you've got family and children, can I encourage you to once a day, if you can, get your children and all of you around the dining table, eat together, because the stuff that happens during dining and after is unbelievable that you'll have conversations sometimes that you end up talking about. Meaningful conversation. But modern life is everything on the fly, isn't it? Text message here, voicemail there. We haven't got time for meaningful conversations so often anymore because we're in such a rush. And some of us approach our Christian lives like that. We send a text to God. We ain't got time for a full-on conversation. Hey God, how are you doing today? Lol. Isn't it? Things not going well today, God. Unhappy face. Where are you, God? Isn't it? That's how we've become. I know we can laugh about it. But, you know, so often we communicate with God in just snap bites. And sometimes it's no wonder that we don't get a response sometimes because there's no solitude in our lives. There's no place for Him to come and speak to us. And here at this church, we just try and teach all of us in our Christian life, can we put aside 15 minutes, minimum 15 minutes a day, find a chair, find a quiet space, open God's Word, read it, meditate on it and then have a conversation with god we've talked about soap acronym acts acronyms for prayers we've given <coughs> loads of trips and tricks and tips and things that you can do but how is your prayer life because do you know how often we should pray and how we should pray do you know what the bible teaches what's the bible teach on it one of the shortest verses in the bible flick it up for me if you can lee these are easy. We'll learn two memory verses now from Scripture quite quickly. You're going to do this so easily, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. What does verse 16 say? Here it comes. That's an easy one to learn, isn't it? Be joyful always. Learn the verse with me. Be joyful when? Always. Be joyful always. Next one, second memory verse for us to learn, verse 17. What does it say? Pray continually. Not continuously. Continuously means you just non-stop. But continually. You see, if you're continually striving to get somewhere in a destination, you're making steps to get there. And making steps, and it's a continual act that where we can, we're moving forward in God. We're praying continually, asking God for guidance, asking Him for input in our lives. So we've got to get God's Word into us, the nutrients of God's Word, and we need to pray continually. Before I move on, can I ask you again, what's your prayer life like? What's your prayer life like? Can I confess to you, as your pastor, that my prayer life is not where it needs to be. I've shared with you before, out of every, I could read God's Word all day. So reading God's Word is something, but prayer is the single most challenging spiritual discipline for me to master as a person. Because I've got a butterfly brain. 
And before I know it, I'm thinking, did I phone that person back? Is, is, do, you, do you get that? Yeah. So I have to literally, first thing in the morning, lock my head down. I don't reach for my phone first thing in the morning. I've had to bring certain disciplines in in order for my life to grow in Christ and bring certain things in that create a congenial environment for growth to happen in my life. And prayer, I find so difficult. That's one of the hardest verses in the Bible for me personally to put into practice. And it's no excuse. I get better at this all the time that I'm stretching myself to become stronger in Christ. So first of all, what is our reading of God's word like? Secondly, what is our prayer life like? And we finish with this. Fellowship. Fellowship. Interesting verse, Hebrews 10, 24. We, um, we read this quite often, don't we? But I read it this week and had a totally different take on this verse. The worship team can come. And the totally different take that I had on this verse was this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The default position of these people that have been uh, written to here in Hebrews, their default position was they were church attenders. They were people that got together. It never occurred to me until I read it this week. I don't know how many times I've read that. He's saying, so we all get together as church. This is what we do. We are the church. We get together to have fellowship. Don't get in the habit, he's saying, like some people are doing, of not coming. And we in our society, pretty much the other way around. We are, as a society, most people are in the habit of not coming. And we've got to try and persuade them too. A member of a certain congregation, a member of a certain church who had previously been attending services regularly, stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit them. It was a really chilly evening. The pastor found the man at home sitting before a blazing open coal fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, the man welcomed him in, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, sat down and waited for the pastor to speak. The pastor made himself comfortable in the chair, but said nothing. There was an awkward silence for quite a few minutes, while they both stood there looking at the fire, contemplating, looking at the flames that were around the burning logs. After some minutes, the pastor leaned forward, grabbed the tongs, and carefully picked up the brightest burning coal he could see in the fire, lifted it up, pulled it out to the fire, and put it on the hearth. He then sat back in the chair and remained silent. The host watched all of this in weird, quiet fascination. But as the lone ember flame diminished, there was a momentary glow, and then the coal turned black, and it was no more. 
Soon it was cold. Dead on the hearth. Dead as a doornail. It was strange because not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting by the pastor. <coughs> just before the pastor was ready to leave, he decided to just get up, reached for the tongs again, picked up the dead coal that was on the hearth, put it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more. The heat, the light, and the warmth returned to the coals around it. The pastor turned, shook the man's hand, and left. The man, getting the message, turned to the pastor and said, Thank you so much for your visit today, especially for the fiery sermon. You'll see me in church next Sunday. There's always an excuse. If you're listening online right now and you couldn't get to church today, what was yours? There are people here that were out late last night celebrating at a party, but we're here today. We're here today because we know that if we are coals that do not stay in the fire, we die. We know that if we miss a plus group, and we're not around those people that love us and pray for us, when we are missing for legitimately, legitimate reasons because there are things wrong in our lives, people will just assume that you're absent again. I thank God for a church that loves and cares for me personally. I thank God for the small group that I'm involved in. I thank God for all of you that you keep my fire burning. And we are here to all keep one another's fire burning. Please, church, let us not be like others. Let us be like the Hebrew people that our default is that we are people that get together. And we worship together and get all the benefits that come with it. Has your heart been raised today? Yeah. Have you been encouraged today? Yeah. Has it been good to break bread today? Has it been great, that song today, Emily, that we just sang earlier on? What was it? I'm trying to remember now. The cast myself here. Yeah, what's the line? That line I was quoting in my prayer that I loved earlier on. Get it up on screen. I'm, I'm going, that's right. Thank you. You're helping me out. That line in brokenness, I must confess, I cannot pay my own debt. That's blown my mind this morning. Just for me to come to church and hear that. Hear Emily read the psalm and sing a song. So shall we sing to close? Can I do this now, Mark? Can we cast ourselves completely? As we just come here, let's light a fire. Let's cross a fence, as Mark has challenged us today. And take our call. Put it back right in the middle of the heat. Get into God's word. Look at our prayer life. See you in church next Sunday. See you at Plus Group this Wednesday. Let's light a fire and let's grow and thrive and flourish and prosper for the glory of God. Come on, lead us, Paul. In brokenness I must accept 
that I cannot pay my own debt. I have no good, no righteousness that I can bring to you. So here I am. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.